Truth News Network. COVID, critical race, compliance mandate, and conflicting stories about it all. Mask, vaccine? No. The truth shall set you free. TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. Let me ask you this question. What is the truth? What's the truth about all the stuff Pete Moss was referencing there? Mask and COVID-19 mandates, lockdowns. What are the truths of this entire debacle? And folks, it has become a true debacle. We just don't know. Hello. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you're up and getting after your Monday this new week. Third week, third week already of July 2021. Man, this this year's racing by, isn't it? Well, every every day as it races by, we find out there are more and more things that we don't know. <laughs> and um, we're supposed to know because all the experts are telling us again and again, giving us all the answers that we're supposed to just swallow hook, line, and sinker. We're going to weigh into a bunch of that today. We're going to begin top of the show today. We're going to discuss the latest, I started to say latest greatest, but it's really not great, and it's certainly not greatest, all of the information about COVID-19. It's changing every day. Sometimes, many times a day, it changes. And yet, our government and those experts that work with and for our government, they're cherry-picking the quote-unquote truths that they give to us. And i got to be honest with you, a bunch of what we're hearing is not true. We're going to get right to that in just a moment, but let me tell you what else is going on. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happening. Um, Chicago was pretty busy this weekend. Chicago, of course, that means a bunch of shootings, a bunch of killings. I just don't I just don't see how this can be allowed to go on and on and on and on again. But it is, folks. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Over the weekend, 56 people shot in Chicago. 11 of them died during the weekend. Wow, six people were shot in one incident late Saturday. The individuals were just standing outside a location where a party had been held. Somebody driving by and inside an SUV opened fire. One of the wounded, a 12-year-old girl. Another one of the wounded was a 15-year-old girl. Hours later, an 8-year-old boy was shot while riding in a vehicle with a 28-year-old male. Both the boy and the driver were shot, but neither received life-threatening injuries. This just goes on. It's like, oh, no big deal, just another weekend in Chi-Town, right? And this is becoming normalized. This is becoming the expected occurrences on a weekend in the Windy City. i got to be honest with you. If you've never been to Chicago or if it's been a long time since you've been, Chicago, it just seemed like it was getting better and better and better. Back in the last decade, I spent a lot of time in Chicago on business. And uh, I loved, sometimes we stayed out way outside of downtown, out by O'Hare Airport. But uh, later, we moved our entire business operations right in the heart of downtown Chicago, right off the Lake Michigan. I loved it down there. What a great city. So many things to do. It was so clean and beautiful, and that river running right through downtown Chicago. 
great restaurants. Oh my gosh, so much culture, so much to do. And yet it's just dying on the vine there because of lawlessness. And that's just one of those things we don't get real answers for. We don't understand what's going on. And so the leadership there, they just keep giving excuses to the Chicago people. And every weekend, more and more of them die. It's it's very unusual for less than a dozen people to get killed there by gunfire over a weekend, any weekend. And holiday weekends, oh my gosh, they're at least twice as bad. All that being said, folks, this lawlessness, this criminality, this violence, it's just swept across our nation. And it's almost like we've allowed that to normalize in our lives. It's kind of like it's expected. It's going to happen. Wow. If we accept lawlessness of any kind at any level anywhere, guess what happens? That raises the bar, or in this case, lowers the bar from where our consciousness used to dictate the normal was. And when the normal gets lower, that means law enforcement and the results of law enforcement decline, but the lawlessness keeps going up and up. And so the lawless bar becomes an average. So now it's kind of average. A dozen people are going to get killed every weekend in Chicago. Oh, well, it's going to rain today. (laughs) I mean, it's almost that bad the way it's discussed. The perception is there's going to be a lot of it there, and so what? And then on to matters we're going to start the show with today. Incidentally, if you weren't here on Friday, we had Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson on with us. Uh, He spent about 15 minutes, and he came aboard. We had spoken on the phone, I guess a couple of days before, talking about what I wanted him to share with you, and he did. He is a constitutional attorney. How can anybody, especially in federal office, how can anybody not enforce the laws of the land? I mean, that's the fundamental thing they swear they're going to do when they put one hand on the Bible, raise the other in the air, and take their oaths of office after they're elected. And this administration, the Biden administration's just turned its back on enforcing the rule of law. A little bit later in the show, we're going we're gonna to go back to Friday and listen in to what Congressman Johnson had to say about it. It's eye-opening. So stick with us. Before we do that, let's begin with today's big story, big topic. As you probably know, at truthnewsnet.org, we have been publishing a series titled, It Appears We're Hearing Lies About All Things COVID-19. And we've published parts one and two previously, today part three. And this one's kind of unfolding, folks. It's like a moving target, and every day it seems to change a little bit, and we kind of put our foot on it. You know how when you try to kill a bug and You put your shoe down on top of it on the floor and it just slips away. That's what's happening in this COVID-19 debacle. We're approaching today, if we're not already there, critical mass. COVID-19's information manipulation by this administration, along with some international medical bureaucrats, a bunch of leaders in the Democrat Party in Congress, and of course, always out front for them is the mainstream media. All that feeds little more than fodder to all of us, the American people. Every day, we discover new lies by this, 
and I think we've changed this term and we're going to refer to this as we go forward. This is a COVID syndicate, that group of people. We uncover new and more surreptitious methods of invading our private lives by the U.S. intelligence agencies. And now, even big media. We discover they've been doing this for years to us and we didn't even know it. Add to that the revelation last week that this presidential administration is apparently monitoring all of our social media pages and they're pointing to specific posts that include what the administration calls dangerous and untrue COVID-19 information. Every day, we are inching closer and closer to an emergency proclamation by the White House that mandates all must be vaccinated. Yep. It's something, it's a horror story and movies were created to portray. George Orwell was certainly prophetic with his epic 1984. And we all thought he was insane when it was published or it was just a fairy tale of science fiction. And it's turning out to be factual. And in the midst of this, don't forget this. Facts matter. That's what we're about here. We're not about scary stories. We're not about scaring people to death. We're about facts. Many can't understand why this government will not be forthright with all the truth about everything to do with COVID-19. To a common person, and I'm, I'm one of those, there's no explanation that's plausible. I don't understand it. I get told all kinds of things, but they just don't add up. Did you know there are horrible side effects that afflict many people from these COVID vaccinations? Many, many nasty things. Stroke, heart issues that sometimes are fatal, uncontrollable tremors, many others including massive numbers of trips to the emergency room. If President Biden was honest about COVID-19, and he's not, folks, he would mandate that all of the good and the bad from COVID-19 to be released equally to the American people. He doesn't do that. He's not being honest. Along with his so-called medical experts, he takes great pains to hide the adverse reactions to these vaccinations from us. Many people don't realize that his own CDC publishes an updated list of all of the reported adverse reactions on the CDC website every Friday. It's obvious why they don't publish this. Put it out that, hey, y'all take a look at this every week. The specifics of the adverse effects and the molecular changes that have already been discovered when revealed en masse to the American people is certainly going to start a revolt against this administration about its COVID-19 policies. It's really bad, folks. Really bad. How bad is it? Well, we publish the weekly reported cases from the VAERS website. In case you haven't seen the latest, here are the details that were released through last Friday, Friday a week ago, July 9th, on the VAERS section of the CDC website. Listen to these numbers, folks. Hospitalizations, this is since the first of the year. Hospitalizations, 30,781. Urgent care, 
59,000, office visits, 82,000, anaphylaxis shock, 2,400, Bell's palsy, right at 3,000, miscarriages, 1,073, heart attacks, 3,906, myocarditis, pericarditis, 2,466, totally disabled people from the vaccinations, 9,274. Thrombocytopenia, low platelet counts, 2,552. Life-threatening other reactions, 8,832. Severe allergic reaction, 19,814. Tinnitus, 5,422. Deaths, deaths, 10,991. Please note that these numbers are only the reported numbers of each medical event. The CDC itself estimates that a real number is about 10 times at a minimum more than the reported numbers for each of these adverse events, which would mean, folks, based on the information coming from the CDC, 100,000 people have died in reaction to receiving one of these three vaccines. The VAERS report by the CDC began way back in 1990. Since that time, all of the adverse effects of vaccinations of every kind, every one of them, have been kept in this same way. Since 1990, every week, this VAERS report has come out. Though on the website, the CDC website, it takes an IT genius to find it, set it up for each week's numbers, and then turn that into a report. So what we have put today on our website, the front page of the website today, a simple chart that plots the VAERS numbers of reported deaths from adverse reactions to vaccinations in the U.S. These numbers are the totals for all vaccines each year, all the way back to 1990. It doesn't lie, folks. The graph does not lie. And if you haven't looked at it yet, let me just give you a little heads up when you go look at it. The graph starts on the lower left side at the number zero, and that would be how many adverse effects are reported year by year, and it goes to the right. There's hardly any movement from zero from 90, 91, 92 throughout that decade, 2000, 2010, and all the way over to the right side is 2000, 2021, And it's almost a straight vertical line from the zero up to over 10,000 deaths since January. Doesn't this fact, especially when added to the exhaustive list above of all the other adverse reactions, mean that there is something or some things out of whack in all of the COVID-19 vaccines being jabbed into the arms of Americans. But it gets worse. Oh my gosh, it can't be worse than it. Yeah, it can. We in the U.S. shouldn't close our eyes to the fact that we don't live in a COVID vacuum. This plague has impacted the entire earth. No nation has been or is safe from this monster this monster that certainly came from a bioweapons laboratory initially meant to do just what it's doing now, kill and maim people. 
Uh, maybe it escaped that lab by accident. We don't know. But it came from a lab. It is manipulated biologically. As our close partner in pretty much everything, Europe has been devastated by COVID just as we have. They've got it before us. It comes from east to west. The European database of suspected drug reaction reports, ours is VAERS, theirs called UDRA Vigilance. It also tracks reports of injuries and deaths following the experimental COVID-19 vaccines. UDRA Vigilance is only for countries in Europe that are part of the EU. That's about 27 of them. The total number of countries in Europe is much higher, almost twice numbering about 50. So as high as these numbers are, they, just like our VAERS report, do not reflect all of the adverse reactions for all of Europe. The actual number in Europe reported dead or injured due to COVID-19 shots is much higher than what we are reporting here. The UDRA Vigilance Database reports that through July 3rd, 17,503 have died, 1.687 injuries were reported following the injection of four different experimental COVID-19 shots. In addition to the ones that we get, the three, the Moderna, the Johnson & Johnson, and the Pfizer, AstraZeneca is used over there as well. COVID-19 vaccinations, folks, are not effective in numerous cases. I'll repeat that. COVID-19 vaccinations are not effective in numerous cases. Now, this one floors me. We've been told from long before the first vaccine hit the marketplace here that if we don't get vaccines developed quickly and in the arms of Americans, millions are going to die. And sure enough, Fauci's cries for vaccines resulted in a bunch of shortcuts by the epidemiologists and laboratory scientists. What occurred has never before happened in U.S. history. Not one time. Our government approved bringing vaccines to the marketplace with just minimal testing. Hardly any human trials of the vaccines, at least compared to the development and testing of every other vaccine created throughout American history. And bingo, we have vaccines. And now the world is going to live and thrive. We're going to be safe. We killed the monster, right? Well, something about two months into this government rush to vaccinate us struck me wrong. We started talking about it here at TNN Live at Truth News Network. Why would the U.S. government foot the bill for all of this medicine, 100%? It's one thing for Uncle Sam to step in and make sure everybody who doesn't have insurance can get the vaccination at no expense. After all, the government made it clear to us All of this was probably the worst scourge in American history, right? So now we find ourselves months into this pandemic, millions of vaccinations in the arms of tens of millions of Americans. That was supposed to take care of everything, right? But it hadn't. Being completely vaccinated does not provide complete protection against COVID-19. According to the CDC, the experts, right? There have already been 4,115 recorded cases 
of completely vaccinated people hospitalized or dying from COVID-19, coronavirus breakthrough infections. Nearly half of those cases, 49% were in women, 76% were age 65 and up as of June 21st. According to Forbes, there were 3,907 hospitalizations, 750 fatalities among individuals who had breakthrough infections. However, not all hospitalizations may link to the virus. If a person tests positive for SARS-CoV-2 two weeks after getting the single dose of Johnson & Johnson or the other two, Moderna or Pfizer, it's considered a breakthrough case. Due to passive and voluntary reporting, the number of virus vaccination breakthrough infections is likely undercounted, the CDC said. You think? The FDA reported these surveillance data or a snapshot and help identify patterns and look for signals among vaccine breakthrough cases. No unexpected patterns have been identified in the reported breakthrough infections. They're trying to justify it. It's just nature, right? The CDC switched from monitoring all reported vaccination breakthrough cases to just reporting instances that resulted in hospitalization or death. They made that switch on May 1st, a decision that health experts condemned. Despite the CDC's claim that the change in reporting will, quote, help enhance the quality of the data gathered on cases of greater clinical and public health relevance, end quote. The change in reporting has resulted in a decrease in the overall number of breakthrough cases reported in the U.S. In other words, folks, We don't know how many people have really been vaccinated. We don't know how many people have really had adverse effects from their vaccinations, including deaths. We know a bunch of people have encountered that. A bunch have died. And now the CDC has switched their monitoring monitoring and reporting to hide some more bad information about what they're now demanding we put in our bodies. Something about all this troubles me. Right here in my state, my state, Louisiana, Louisiana has struggled to get the populace to step up and get vaccinated. By the end of June, just 31% of Louisianians had taken the jab. However, in South Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana specifically, from Baton Rouge to New Orleans and a little east of New Orleans and then right below all of that to the Gulf, The vaccination rate was high, about 70%. In our government's estimation, this was a great achievement, but then something strange began to happen. Three weeks ago, in just 24 hours, 600 new cases of COVID-19 in that region of the state were reported. In the next 24 hours, there were 300 more. Now, sure, These occurrences have been unfortunately common throughout the pandemic across the U.S., but there's something strange about these cases. Listen to this. More than 60% of these cases, almost 1,000, occurred in people who had already been vaccinated. Worse yet, most this time were positive with the Delta variant. 
What's worse than this, if there's anything that could be? The media in Louisiana, after reporting the onslaught of a new wave of COVID-19, it's like the media found out, wait a minute, these people had already been vaccinated. We can't talk about it. That's me imitating Joe Biden. We can't talk about it. The media suddenly went silent. No updates, no further case numbers were published. And nobody's talking about this. So let's wrap this up. I think you'll agree there's something sinister in the air. Think about these strange events. Put them in perspective regarding all the mysterious events of late surrounding our government and surrounding COVID-19. Like, we're told in a White House press briefing, the White House has joined forces with Facebook to identify and remove posts that include incorrect or misleading information about COVID-19 vaccinations. Jen Psaki actually said, people are dying because of this rampant misinformation about COVID on social media. I got to be honest, that sounds just like Big Brother to me. President Biden, in every public speech he gives of late, In each speech, he excoriates everybody in the United States who has not accepted a vaccination. Think about that now. There's no caution, no embrace of the Democrat Party cry of years regarding the legality of abortion. For example, you remember, my body, my choice. That doesn't apply here, apparently, because it's not one of their political causes. He even issued, Biden did, a veiled warning to unvaccinated Americans last week in its speech saying, those who aren't vaccinated will pay the price. What the heck is the price that he referenced? We don't know. In an interview, Biden's Secretary of State, Javier Becerra, He stated that it is indeed the government's right to know who has and who has not been vaccinated for COVID. His sole justification for saying that? The U.S. government has spent billions of dollars developing and making vaccinations available at no cost to Americans. That gives them the absolute right to know who's taking advantage of their gracious gift to the American people. Every day, we hear more and more conversations about making vaccinations mandatory. A bunch of private organizations, commercial businesses, have already mandated their employees get vaccinated, and if they don't, they lose their job. Constitutional experts have squared off about the legality of the government mandating vaccinations. Put that in context for a moment, folks. Can you see a scenario in which a group of government officials pulls up in front of your house? They knock on the door and they demand to see your vaccination cards, yours and for everybody else who lives in that home. When they're produced, they then force anyone there who is not vaccinated to have a jab or else. What would the or else be. 
Now, don't say for certain we're not facing this. Four years ago, folks, you nor I was certain that something like this would happen. In fact, we knew it couldn't happen. This is the United States. Today, not so much. In fact, I think we're walking down a path toward that very thing. I really do believe it. So what do we do? Well, let me tell you what we don't do. Don't succumb to fear. Don't fear. Don't let fear overtake your mind and your thought process. That's the worst option for any of us to take. The best thing for us to do is dig, 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 dig for facts. Research through the internet. Find as much information about everything possible regarding these vaccinations. And stay away from the quote-unquote normal news sources from whom you have been getting the everything's okay news about COVID-19 and vaccinations. Stay away from them. You've already heard their blather. You don't need to go back and get more. Rather than resort to cynicism, adopt the Reagan philosophy of trust but verify. Of course, he was talking about China and the Soviet Union, enemies of the United States. I look at this rush for vaccinations as it being weaponized against us. We don't know why, we know who, but we don't have a clue. So this is our government, folks. Trust our government, but verify what they say is true. Remember, the U.S. government has far more information than do we about pretty much everything. They make their decisions based on having much more factual information than we do about everything. Watch and listen to what they say, but always ask questions. And remember the catchphrase, trust, but verify. In the end, folks, we're all going to be okay. I promise you we're going to be okay. God's got this. When the unknown begins to choke your joy, your happiness to be replaced by fear, Just do this. Bow your head and whisper a prayer. God understands, and he cares for our concerns. And if this worry and or fear is about to overtake you, reach out to somebody you know that you can trust. And if you don't have that kind of person in your life, drop me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. We can put you in touch with someone who can help you, and we'll do that immediately. If you need some help, reach out to us. We're all in this together. That means we're in it now while we go through it, no matter how it plays out, and we'll still be in it together on the other side of all of it. And hold on to this one thought. This I know for a fact. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Now, we don't, we don't see the future. We don't smell the future. We think we know it. We can guess, but we don't know for certain. But we know that God does. <laughs> God does, and that's plenty enough for me. And so it boils down to this. We either trust God or we don't. And I'm in the trust God position. You need to join me there, too. A bunch more. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. 
ten to the ten to the ten to the ten, ten to the ten to the ten to the ten 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 ten. Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember ten ten ten. For ten days, sign up for ten dollars and pay just ten bucks a month. After that, hurry! You only have until November tenth to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on Forty Second Street, next to Shopko. Hi, welcome to the subway ad for the three ninety nine six inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set at a retirement home. Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What do you say? Italian BMT three ninety nine. I call the EMT. Turkey breast three ninety nine. How much? Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Bingo. Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. New home ownership can be a real eye opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from the Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at HomeDepot.com/workshops, you'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101 only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done? Register now at HomeDepot.com/workshops. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity, one truth at a time. TNN, the Truth News Network. Over the weekend, I stumbled across a crumble, just a little bitty tidbit of some truth that I I, I felt like we had to bring to you today. One of the officials at Moderna, you know, the uh, entity that created, I think they were the first ones to the marketplace with the vaccine. Either Moderna or Pfizer, I forget. Anyway, somebody that works in that company was caught on record confirming that everybody that's taking the vaccine has been part, literally, of a clinical trial. A segment of a phone call was pulled together and was published on the Stu Peters show. The phone call was made by a woman who suffered a syndrome after being administered the Moderna vaccine. Her doctor thinks that her condition was directly linked to that vaccination, so she decided to give the company a call and get an explanation. When she got somebody on the phone, she asked this question. The vaccines are still in the clinical trials, right? And the response was this, quote, The Moderna COVID-19 vaccine has not been approved or licensed by the FDA, but it has been authorized for emergency use by the FDA under an emergency use authorization to prevent coronavirus disease for use in individuals 18 years of age and older. That, of course, is a disclaimer. That was the company rep giving her the disclaimer. There is no FDA-approved vaccine to prevent COVID. The emergency use authorization for the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine is in effect for the duration of the COVID-19 emergency use authorization declaration, justifying emergency use of the product unless yada, 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 yada. So the lady responded with this question. Is everyone that's getting the vaccines in the clinical trial, or is it only some of the vaccines are in the clinical trials? I'm very confused about that. The Moderna rep stated that all of the company's clinical trial phases were still going on, 
and that the vaccine's long-term protective efficacy was unknown. So that was a little foggy sounding. So the lady asked this, okay, so everybody who's getting these vaccines right now is in the clinical trials. It's not like some of us got it and some of us didn't, like everyone who's getting it is participating in the clinical trial, she asked. Um, Pretty much, I mean, yeah, I guess so, the representative said. So this syndrome she's experienced is a condition caused by an autoimmune disorder. It triggers the immune system to assault the body's own nerves, weakness, tingling sensations in the extremities or the initial signs. The symptoms spread quickly. They ramp up in severity, finally resulting in total body paralysis. COVID-19 vaccines are also causing another syndrome in people who get the shots. For example, it was reported an adverse reaction case of a lady named Rebecca Cruz Estevez, a resident in Philadelphia who suffered that syndrome after her first dose of the Pfizer COVID vaccine on March 17th. Less than 50, 15 minutes after her injection. She's 31 years old. She's a mom. Had an anaphylactic reaction. Chest and throat tightness, heart palpitations, a skin rash on her chest. Later on, she had strange experiences like muscle spasms, stiffness in her legs. She was also unexplainably hyperactive. Let me ask you this. I'm not going to go on and give you some more examples of these adverse reactions. We've got dozens and dozens and dozens of them. I mean, heart-rending things. And it's for people, kids, 17, 18, 19 years old, people in their midlife, 30s, 40s, 50s, and older people, all represented in the adverse reactions that people are having just after getting vaccinations. This is stuff that's really happening. Why, oh why, is mainstream media not covering it? Why hasn't Joe Biden authorized Anthony Fauci to get up in a press briefing, a White House press briefing, and answer questions? If he would get up there and the media in the room were told any question about COVID-19 is in play, ask them all. Wouldn't that be interesting to hear? We'll never hear it. Let's just take a a standard spot right now in this whole conversation. From here forward, my default position is they're hiding things on purpose. They don't want us to know. Wow. A Canadian doctor over the weekend, Dr. Charles Hoffey, he practiced medicine at Lytton, B.C., Canada. He warned that most of his patients got microscopic blood clots after taking the mRNA vaccines, which could eventually exhaust heart function. He explained that a Moderna shot contains 40 trillion mRNA molecules. 75% of them are expected to be absorbed into the recipient cells. This is how it works. The only place they, the mRNA molecules, can be absorbed is around your blood vessels And the place where they are absorbed is the capillary networks, the tiniest blood vessels where the blood flow slows right down and where the genes in the mRNA are released. Your body then gets to work reading and then manufacturing trillions and trillions of these spike proteins. 
each gene can produce many, many spike proteins. The body then sees these and sees that they're foreign bodies, so it makes antibodies against it, so then you're protected against COVID. So while the spike proteins tend to become part of the virus's outer shield, when they get to the human vessels where there's no actual virus, the proteins will in turn merge in with the cell wall of your vascular endolithium cells. However, blood vessels are supposed to be lined with smooth cells for easy blood flow. This is when the blood clots start to appear. As blood platelets will try to repair the spike proteins embedded blood vessels and capillaries by producing these clots. This is the kind of stuff, folks, that in a real vaccination development process, over a legitimate amount of time, it takes months and months, sometimes years, of intense human trials to find all of these elements, find out what causes them, can they be fixed, can it be changed. None of this happened. None of this happened in normal process. And thousands of people are giving their lives. And hundreds of thousands of others are having adverse reactions. And folks, it's all unnecessary. It's all needless. Listen to this coming out of Israel today, over the weekend. In the latest update from the Israeli Health Ministry, It appeared that patients who survive the COVID-19 infection enjoy much greater immunity than they get from the vaccines. Did you hear that? Natural immunity is much greater than the protection you get from the vaccines. According to the data that kept track of the new wave of the pandemic in Israel, it began in May, Those who recovered from COVID were nearly seven times more immune to infection than those that took the vaccinations. Over the past two months, the country database recorded 7,700 new infections. About 40% of those cases were breakthrough events. In other words, the patients had a previous history with the virus, did not even make up 1%. While the overall population of COVID-19 rallied Israelis stood at 835,000 individuals, the 72 reinfected patients showed that the rate of infection in them was just 0.0086%. Meanwhile, considering the almost 5.2 million vaccinated citizens, the more than 3,000 breakthrough cases showed the vaccine's protection was way, 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 way lower than natural immunity. Putting all the numbers together, it's clear natural immunity after COVID-19 illness is at least six times better than that triggered by the vaccines. That happens in Mother Nature. Mother Nature, not in manufactured RNA stuck in people's arms, and certainly without any of the adverse effects that are showing up in many, many, a high percentage of people that got the vaccination. Now, here's a question. What else is there that can go wrong from getting vaccinated? Just because many of these, all of these reports that we're giving to you, 
come from people that just got vaccinated. What about those that got vaccinated and something's going on way down low inside deep may not show up for years and years and years. And we may never know when those events happen in the future. We may never be able to directly tie those to the contents of these vaccines. And folks, if you, if you can, imagine a scenario with me just for a moment. This will kind of um, put a spotlight on how crazy the scientific community is getting. Listen to this. The vaccine market is dissatisfied with its progress in compelling all of us, all men, women, and children, to participate in these spike protein trials. Animals like cats, dogs, and other pets are increasingly becoming targets by Big Pharma and its allies. Dogs, pets, folks, cats, after dealing with the human population in the United Kingdom, the Labor Party there is pushing health officials to authorize vaccinations, COVID-19 vaccinations for dogs, They say COVID possibly started in bats. The priority is to vaccinate humans. But a year or so down the line, we have to look at animal vaccines. So the UK Scientific Advisory Group is recommending new viral engineering studies to modify spike proteins for usage in animals for emergencies, which has been assisting the United Kingdom government during the pandemic. Professor Deenan Pillay, who was a virologist, stated it may be the current vaccines would need a tweak for non-human species. This is the craziest stuff. You can't make this up, folks. How far down the road to manipulating biology are we going to see scientists, virologists, epidemiologists, how far are they going to go with this? They're not going to be satisfied. It's almost like the world has become a giant test tube and we are all just little pawns in their game to see just what they can do, how far they can go, and they're past the point of really giving a hoot about what it might do in a bad way to human beings when they stick it in us. This is just incomprehensible to me. And so then it just it just heightens. It just gets viler and viler. It gets greater and greater, wider and wider. Our administration, the Biden administration, they gave signals last week that their intention is to work with technology companies and SMS, which are text, short message service providers, to stop, eliminate information they believe is misinformation about vaccines. Now, you tie tie things up. Biden himself came out. Jen Psaki circled back. I think it leaked out of a press briefing when she was at the podium on Friday, on Thursday, I believe it was, and she came back on Friday and doubled down on it. I don't think the White House was ready for us to know that they apparently, being the White House, somebody in the White House is monitoring the social media post of millions of Americans. They've got those algorithms that have the ability to pop out 
and cordon off every kind of message that goes into that algorithm. And they're actually looking at what they term to be misinformation about the vaccines. And they said they're not telling Facebook to kill these. But they're recommending that those that the White House identifies as bad information, untruthful information, to be blocked or taken down. And the users themselves to be blocked and taken down. Now, just remember this. They tell us, they being the government, they tell us all, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Apple, all of them, they're private companies. So the First Amendment doesn't apply when you're a a private company. You're not regulated. The First Amendment only states that the government will not step in and impact the freedom of speech. You catch where I'm going with this? So now, the White House, this administration, and they didn't deny it when they were confronted with it in that press briefing. Peter Ducey asked the question. They wouldn't call it, of course, surveilling, because that, of course, the government surveilling any person's private information, that's illegal. But it's not illegal for the government to point out bad things being done by people that they find to these private companies. And then these private companies have the absolute right to censor anything that they determine is not good on their private platforms. What an evil circuit. Think about that. The government legally can't do it themselves. And I got to be honest with you, that's kind of strange because this government does all kinds of things it's not supposed to do. In just a few minutes, you'll hear examples of that in my conversation with Congressman Mike Johnson, who's a constitutional attorney, and he's just as myth as I am and you are about what this government is doing and not doing based on the Constitution. So now the White House has found a way. We can't censor these people. We can't stop them from expressing their true feelings, from asking questions, from publishing reports like you've heard on this show today. But we can point out one of our partners, Facebook, and then they can do it and do it legally. They can do it legally. This is so, so egregious and so evil. So why don't we go ahead? Let's let's just listen to a little bit of this conversation we had Friday morning with Congressman Mike Johnson. First thing on the show. And uh, it begins with my asking him if, if I missed something in the U.S. Constitution that allowed any president of the United States, specifically this president, just to thumb their noses at enforcing federal law. <laughs> you didn't. And I'll tell you, Dan, I've, I've been doing town halls around my district. We're, at a, we're in a district work week this, this week. I did four in the last two days, uh, north and south, all across our district in north and west Louisiana. And this is a question that comes up in the town halls as well, because people see with their own eyes what's going on. They're very frustrated by how this new president is governing. You know, he ran as a moderate and 
told everybody he'd be a bridge builder and all that. He's doing exactly the opposite. And, and not only is he governing as the most far left president, arguably ever in the history of the country, but he, he's doing it, as you say, seemingly with no regard whatsoever to the legal limits upon his power. So just in the first three months after he took office, he, he issued about 60 executive orders as a record number. And it, you know, reflexively just doing the opposite of whatever President Trump did, uh, regardless of the ramifications for the country. But so much of that was far beyond the bounds of what he was legally able to do under the Constitution. And he continues on that path. It's, it's a dangerous trajectory for the country, and it's something that all of us need to be wary of. And moreover, we need to be challenging some of this in the courts, which is beginning to happen now. The big 900-pound gorilla in the room, of course, is just this total disregard for federal immigration laws at our southern border where not hundreds not thousands not tens of thousands but hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens are not even coming into the system because they're sneaking through the biden administration has just basically opened the door and is advertising for those folks to come from wherever on earth the other thing that came up yesterday and you and i exchanged texts last night about it President Biden unilaterally with no, I can find, authorization to do so, he's already canceled $50 billion worth of student debt. How can that happen? Well, it it can. And he's supposedly awaiting a a legal opinion letter from the Department of Education, whatever that's going to be worth, to to, to, uh, somehow bless this initiative of his which he's doing only because the far left, is the progressive caucus and all the rest of them are pushing him so aggressively. Of course, their ultimate goal is to replace our constitutional republic with a socialist utopia, which you and I know would be the end of America, right? But they don't understand that, they don't see it, and so the, the steps to get us there is to put everyone on the public dole, to make everyone r- responsible to and, and thankful for the, the giant federal government apparatus, right? We put the government in charge of everything. And so they will take care of everyone from cradle to grave and they'll, they'll pay off your student loans and all that. But look, the problem with all these big socialist dreams is not only is it driving the country so far into the hole of federal debt that we'll never be able to climb out of it, but it's it's blatantly unconstitutional. I mean, if whenever this Department of Education legal memo comes out, it's anticipated now in the next couple of weeks, I think, um, it better reference the property clause, appropriations clause of the, of the federal constitution. I mean, the executive branch does not have the authority to forgive debt that's owed to the federal government. You, you have to have a, a, the authority given by Congress to do that. You have to have a statute that does that. And, and, and Congress has never just granted authority to the executive branch before. No president, no Department of Education has the right to cancel student loans en masse. It, it just, that, that, that legal authority does not exist. And so the next question is, the obvious question is, whether you're talking about this or the, the border. As you know, I was down there uh, two and a half weeks ago with President Trump. We had 24 Republican members of the House. We went to see it with our own two eyes, Dan. And we cannot, you and I can talk about it for, as you said, for a long time, but it is impossible to overstate the humanitarian crisis going on at our southern border right now. We were in La Jolla. Uh, we, we were there at 1.30 in the morning. We stayed We stayed a couple of days, but we went out there morning and night. People are coming across in droves. They're not evading capture. They're looking for Border Patrol. You know why? Because the president's executive order said that the Border Patrol must act like processing agents for the cartels who are trafficking human beings across our border. They're literally taking them, caring for them, and then sending them, giving them bus tickets and plane tickets to go all over the country. And this has gone on 
it's more than hundreds of thousands. My Texas colleagues in Congress believe it. It's over a million people just since January alone. So what do we do about all this, Dan? The question is, how do you stop it? Well, we're in the minority party, the Republicans, conservatives in the House, so we have no ability to intervene with legislation to stop it because Pelosi won't put any of our initiatives on the floor. So we have to fight in the courts, and we have to rely upon uh, judges who, you know, of course, President Trump had a record number of appointments to the federal courts. We've got three of his appointments on the Supreme Court. We're going to need the courts to take a stand here, stand for the law, and limit this stuff, or we're going to lose the constraints of the republic that are keeping us together. Does this immigration issue at the southern border, does it rise to the level that someone in Washington that has standing, it would probably have to come from somebody in Congress or some group in Congress, could appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court for an emergency, uh, whatever you call it, to get a case before the Supreme Court, even though they're now out of session? Well, yes. Yeah, so there's, there's a, you, you have to start at the lower courts, but you can put it on a rocket docket, so to speak, and um, certain cases in certain categories rise to that, that level. But you would first need a, a federal district court judge to issue some sort of moratorium or, or injunction upon what's happening there, and then it would make its way quickly, I think, through the appellate process. But, but you know, any of the states have the authority, I would argue, to do that. And, and, of course, Texas Governor Abbott and many of the other governors are on this every day, hour by hour, trying to deal with this crisis. We've tried to do it. You know, we haven't had great luck in the courts or the Supreme Court in recent months as members of Congress. I mean, I usually lead those efforts because I'm the constitutional law guy on, on the Republican side. We, we filed a brief December 10th straight to the Supreme Court. On behalf, I filed it on behalf of 126 colleagues of mine in the, in the House. And we asked the court to intervene and answer the simple question about the election irregularities. That, you know, was Article 2 of the Constitution violated? When all these states change their election laws, you know, willy-nilly and uh, right up to the election cycle of 2020. And, 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 of course, infamously now everybody knows the Supreme Court sidestepped that and said we didn't have standing. So we, we need courts to have courage. I, I am I, I do think that there is some reason for hope here. Jim Jordan and I and Steve Scalise had dinner with Stephen Miller a few weeks back from the from the Trump White House. And he's, you know, a lot of the, the guys in the Trump White House have done or doing individual initiatives now. Stephen started a legal organization called America First legal and their sole objective is to go into the courts and challenge biden's executive orders they've already had some success on the first couple of test cases and there there are many more that they're working on and and, and that are pending so we may be able to get on top of this but in the meantime we've got to hold the line we have to inform people like you're doing of what's going on and let them remind them this very sobering fact that elections and ideas truly do have consequences and we're seeing it right now a lot of this stuff we're seeing on the streets play out and uh, the violence etc people are understanding when you got bad people they understand they're going to try to get away with what they can get away with and when laws aren't being enforced i mean where does that stop we don't know all of the laws that are not being enforced the federal laws that should be and then i got to be honest with you, I first noticed this happening back under Barack Obama. Remember when he told Eric Holder, then Attorney General, stop enforcing federal drug, drug possession laws unless it's in large amounts. And you had almost all of the 50 states had drug laws on their books that possession was illegal. That seemed to be the, at least the first time we began to notice this federal law stuff not being enforced. Where does this stop? How far can we let it go? How dramatic can it get before something major happens in our nation? Well, these are these are very important 
rhetorical questions. We don't know yet. We're in uncharted waters as a nation. What we're seeing happen is unprecedented. You have the Federal Department of Justice, of course, who is in charge of enforcing all these laws that that has been weaponized for political purposes, used for partisan purposes to attack political opponents and all the rest. That trend has been developing, as you said, since the Obama administration, and and it it is a very, very dangerous prospect for a constitutional republic. I I was at these town halls the last couple of days, Dan, and I just reminded everybody, look, we just had our 245th birthday as a nation, July 4th. It's a great celebration of our independence, right? But 245 years is, is just a small speck of time on the span of human history. We don't know how long a constitutional republic can last. Remember, we're doing an experiment in self-government here. We have government up by and for the people themselves. And in order for that system to work, the people have to have faith in their institutions, not the least of which is our system of justice. And if you have a Department of Justice that people look at and think they're not going to enforce the law equally, equal justice for the law is not going to be blind, they, they lose faith in that institution that we've lost something that we may never be able to get back. And that's the kind of stuff that keeps us up at night. Now, we're working. I'm optimistic, Dan. I, you know, as you and I have talked, I believe we're going to win the majority back in, in the House in 2022. I think the Senate will be in play. I think we'll get the White House back after this debacle of a four-year term. But in the meantime, we've got to hold the line and defend those institutions because they're under direct assault. Congressman, we could keep you all day and talk, and you and I do that every time we get together. I know you've got a busy schedule. Thank you so much for stopping by and sharing with us the microphone at TNN Live is always open to you. And we've got a pretty good footprint now, about six or 700,000 people that call this home for this kind of information. Come back by whenever you want. We'll do it. Keep up the great work. Have a great day. You too. Good friend of this show and a good friend personally, Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District in Louisiana. And he just pulled some of the uh, scales off the eyes and the ears of, for all of us. It cannot be be allowed to continue. Lawlessness, non-enforcing federal laws by a presidential administration and doing it again and again. Wow. Our first hour is gone, folks. We have so much more. And let me tell you what we have coming down the pike. Some things that are going to blow your mind. Um, let me, let me, let me just get here and, oh yeah, election stuff. Well, we don't have an election until next year, Dan. Well, we're not talking about next year's election. We're talking about that one that happened on November 3rd. Some really important data and information is out over the weekend. We grabbed it for you. That's up next, right here at TNN Live. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week, you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday, you took a selfie. Hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday, you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? 
Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted, toasted six-month-old six aged cheddar, chedder right onto the, the shell of a chalupa. chalupa. Best genius, no delicious, no both, and now comes in a box with a crunchy taco cinnamon twist and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra. Drinks excludes freezes. There were some great songs back in the 60s and the 70s like this. Remember this? I, I never understood what it was talking about. Cisco Kid was a friend of mine. <laughs> First of all, who in the heck was Cisco Kid, and what does that have to do with anything? You didn't have to have a whole lot of to do with anything stuff back then. They made songs out of everything, and you know what you could do? You could hear the lyrics, and you understood the lyrics, and you eventually puzzled through typically and found out what the song was about. So we mentioned going into the break, election stuff, election stuff. Well, That Arizona-Maricopa County audit that has been completed now, we've been told, more and more information is leaking out about the missteps, and I'm being kind when I say missteps, that happened in that election. Meanwhile, Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers called on President Biden's electors to be recalled to the state and a new election to be conducted following an explosive hearing on that 2020 election audit. In several tweets that came out late Thursday, this is Rogers, Senator Wendy Rogers, said that she had seen enough evidence of fraud and wants Arizona to get it right. She said this, I have heard enough. With the tens of thousands of ballots mailed without being requested, The over 10,000 people who voted after registering after November 3rd, the failure of Maricopa to turn over the 40% of machines, the passwords that Dominion still refuses to give to us, and tens of thousands of unauthorized queries demonstrating just how insecure the election was, I call for the Biden electors that had been certified by the governor of Arizona, by the way, She's calling for them to be recalled to Arizona and a new election to be conducted. She said Arizona's electors must not be awarded fraudulently, and we need to get this right. So guess what the audit team found? Listen to this, folks. 74,243 mail-in ballots with no record of them ever even being sent. Ah, but they came back (laughs) and included in that 2020 election in the county. 74,000. The audit team also announced that ballots were counted that were not on the proper paper stock and were not in proper printing alignment. In addition, other ballots were marked with Sharpie pens, 
that bled through the paper. With such conclusions from the testimony, Rogers, one of the first Republicans to call for this audit of Maricopa County, announced that the election was stolen. Start demanding justice now, she said. This election was stolen. Hold people's feet to the fire, she tweeted. She believes the 11 Biden electors should be recalled and the election should be decertified. And then former President Trump, he couldn't sit quiet. You knew that. He gave a nod to Rogers in his response to the audit hearing. Quote, Arizona Senate hearings on the Maricopa County election audit is devastating news to the radical left Democrats and to the Biden administration. While this, according to the Senate, is preliminary, with results being announced at a later date, it seems that 74,243 mail-in ballots were counted with no record of their ever being sent. There were 18,000 votes who were scrubbed from the voter rolls after the election. They also revealed that the voting system was breached or hacked by who? Very big printer and ballot problems with different paper used, etc., and much, much more. The irregularities, President Trump said, revealed at the hearing all amount to hundreds of thousands of votes or many times what is necessary for us to have won that election. Despite these massive numbers, this is the state that Fox News called early for a Biden victory. There was no victory in Arizona or in any other of the swing states. Maricopa County refuses to work together with the Senate and others who are just looking for honesty, integrity, and transparency. Why do the commissioners not want to look into this corrupted election? What are they trying to hide? Have you heard much about this on the national level? (laughs) You haven't heard about it. Why is that? These big, big media companies, of course, CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, none of the broadcast news networks, they can't report on this because, remember, they've all signed in. They've all agreed. We're not going to talk about the big lie. The big lie. Folks, 74,000 mail-in ballots, no record of them being sent out from the county. Where did they come from? Where did those ballots come back from? Forget about all the other numbers. This can't be allowed to stand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We just cannot let this stand. Oh, my gosh. I I just don't know what's going on in our nation. So in Congress, Congressman Jim Jordan, he had a witness testifying not about Arizona, talking about the Texas, the two bills that are pending that uh, the Democrat senators in the state house fled. They didn't leave the country, but they, they left Texas country. And as far as I know, they're still sequestered up in D.C. Five of them didn't wear masks on that private flight up there. And uh, five of them have been tested and confirmed to have COVID-19. Well, Jordan talked to this witness about those two Texas bills and the Georgia voting law that signed into law and discussing voting irregularities in those. 
Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would just uh, come to, to Mr. Popper. Um, I think in your opening statement, you you said there were a couple other states you wanted to highlight and frankly didn't have the time in your in your five minutes, which I understand. We, we always run out of time in these hearings. So I was just going to give you a chance to talk about I think one of the states you mentioned was Texas. I actually forget the other state that you may have referenced, but uh, give you a few minutes to talk about those states and what's happening there and how it relates to our subject matter. Uh, thank you, Congressman. I, I, I think I did speak about them. I, I, I managed to sneak them in somewhere, but uh, okay. I was merely making the point. I thought that um, in Texas, the atmosphere is so loaded in favor of getting people to the polls. And it is in Georgia, too. And these two bills, um, you know, I, I find almost universally that the people who uh, are the angriest about them, and I don't include anyone on this committee, I'm just saying that in other conversations, there are people who haven't read this legislation. Um, if I could, Mr. Popper, just my understanding is in both states, there was already great access. I mean, amazing access for people to, to vote, which is what we want. We want to we want to make it easy to vote, hard to cheat. I mean, it's a cliched statement, but it's accurate. So that was already the case. But these two pieces of legislation actually make it easier for all residents in Georgia and uh, Texas to get to the polls. Is that accurate? I would say it is accurate. I mean, when you're talking about being able to, uh, on your absentee ballot, certify that you don't have the necessary numbers or provide that, you know, if, if you have an ID number, if you have a social security, who doesn't have a social security number? There are people who don't. But if you don't, all you have to do is certify that you don't have one. Yeah. I mean, how, who is this going to scare off? You know, I, I would like to say just a word about voting fraud, Congressman, if, if, if that if I could. Sure. Uh, voting fraud is hard to detect by its nature. It is not heavily penalized. Uh, my favorite example of this, no doubt, and I, I almost uh, regret the day when they repeal this because I'll lose the talking point. But in Vermont, double voting is a $200 penalty, no jail time. And selling maple syrup without a license is $5,000 in a year in jail. Okay, why would you invest any state resources in ferreting out double voting in those circumstances? And there are states that admit they don't even track these, but that to one side. What I hate, what I, what I don't like is when you say that it's rare because you take the total number of votes and you divide it by the instances of fraud. Is that how you'd measure securities fraud? There are only a couple of hundred securities fraud cases per year. There are how many millions or is it billions of securities transactions? Right. But everyone knows that just because of the nature of the enterprise, you need rules. Okay. Kitchens should be clean. Voting should be clean. Securities should be clean. And I also am mystified as to why people are aware that people will cheat at baseball. Uh, I read a book about people cheating at sumo wrestling. Uh, I have cheated at uh, solitaire. Um, and uh, no one will cheat at something as consequential as voting. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Popper. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I yield back. That's a great question. When is cheating okay? And how much cheating do you have to allow to happen to get to good cheating? <laughs> it makes no sense, folks. There's only one reason, only one reason that is justifiable, plausible, and accurate for not wanting to clamp down on the potential to cheat. 
and the greatest opportunity, the greatest thing that Americans were given by our Constitution, the right to vote. There's only one reason anybody would not want to make certain that every person's vote that's legally supposed to be able to vote counts and not a single other vote is counted. Only one reason to want that to stay the way it is right now, to be able to cheat. And that's sad that people that are in government are supporting that very thing on a broad scale. And every week, more and more information comes up that proves that it happened in November last year. We may never be able to overturn that election, even if at this late stage it's found that it was fraudulently given to Joe Biden. I'm not saying it was. I'm saying that more information comes out every week that shows more and more ballots were messed with, were miscounted. Whatever the reason or purposes and who did it is still to be determined, if it ever is. But we've got to make sure going forward that our elections are free, are fair, and legally transacted. So what about these nut jobs in Travis County? That's where Austin is. They're not all from Travis County, but they represent places around the state in the state house. These Democrats that just went crazy and got on this plane just because they didn't want to do their jobs. Their job is to handle crafting laws for the people of Texas. And sometimes, folks, the tide of control in a state house, it changes. In fact, that's what elections are for, for the people of the states, the people in the nation, when they send people to Washington, D.C. to represent them. When the people want changes there, they'll elect different people. And it just so happens right now, the Senate has a majority of Republicans in Texas, a majority in the House as well. And so instead of doing and fulfilling their oaths of office each one of them took, They don't want the Texas bills, the two voter uh, reorganization bills that are pending, they don't want them to pass and be signed into law. So the only way they feel they can stop that now is to leave town so that the Senate can't get a quorum to have that vote. That can't last that much longer. But what's happening in the midst of this, people, not just Texans, but people around the nation are seeing how partisan and how wicked and unresponsible it is for these people to do that. Sometimes laws get passed. Sometimes people get elected that we don't like, that we don't agree with. And we can't all get everything we want all the time. Sometimes we've got to understand just because we like something doesn't mean everybody does, and it certainly doesn't mean everybody should. We're supposed to let the constitutional process play out based upon the consensus of the people and the real way people vote. Texas House Dems, they engaged engaged in performance theater for weeks, claiming that Governor Abbott was putting lives at risk by reopening the state economy, waiving the statewide mask mandate. You remember that? Oh, boy, the, the, the sky is falling. Everybody's going to get sick and die, they said. And then these same lawmakers flew to D.C. on a private jet stocked with Miller Lite. None of them were wearing masks in violation of FAA rules, by the way. 
And now this farce has turned into a super spreader event. Makowick is a writer. He's the one that said this. He was referring to the news Saturday that three of the Democrats who left Austin tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, and now two more have. So he said dozens of Texas Democrats left on Monday last week as part of their effort to deny House Republicans a quorum to pass any bills, particularly on issues surrounding election integrity. State Representative Trey Fisher claimed he and his fellow Dems chartered the flight to D.C. because everybody wanted to see them together. Nobody ever said who everybody was that wanted to see them together. Anyway, I say prove it, he said. Prove it. This is according to State Rep. Briscoe Kane. I think it's an excuse to avoid coming back. They want a reason to do a 14-day quarantine. They don't want to come back and do their jobs. If they really haven't, prove it. A lot of people are saying these five that so-called tested positive for COVID up in D.C., they did it on purpose because they want to have a legitimate reason to stay in D.C. We can't come back. We're quarantined for two weeks. Abbott responded and said the legislators are going to be arrested when they return. This is a saga that is sad. It's uh, it's very revealing about uh, the Democrat Party, especially in the state of Texas. But it says a lot, folks, of the environment that is underway. Coming out of this administration and every part of it from coast to coast throughout the United States, every piece of the way our government runs. And it starts at the top. They tell us all the time it starts at the White House. It starts at Congress. Well, folk, if you if you just pause for a moment and you look back at Joe Biden's performance just last week, let's just let's just take last week out of the uh, the big scheme of things and and look at it. Last week it was a pretty tough week for the president. While it was awful from the beginning to the end, the hard part, if you look at the week, was which was the absolute worst minute. Think about it. Was it the president's latest attack on state voting law reforms, which he bizarrely called the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War? I don't know who wrote that talking point for him, but it didn't fit. If it wasn't that, was it the administration's outrageous invitations for those sycophants at the United Nations to sit in judgment of our United States racial strife? They were actually doing that. Or perhaps it was Biden's idea to push a one-party spending spree of trillions of dollars in the middle of our inflation levels reaching their highest mark in 13 years? Folks, under almost any other president, each of those events would qualify as a low point. But this president is proving to be spectacularly awful at doing what he does. And he did something else that captures the award for the week's worst of the worst. On Friday, he accused Facebook of killing people and demanded that Facebook quieten all those opposed to are questioning the coronavirus vaccines. Little First Amendment thing there. Coming from this president, this is a breathtaking accusation and a 
unbelievable demand of a private entity to do the government's work, which would be illegal if the government was doing it. Maybe that's why he wants Facebook to do it. I don't know. It far exceeds anything that Donald Trump ever said or did. And he got impeached twice. Trump called some media the enemy of the people, but never accused them of actually killing people. But Biden has. No doubt he assumes the lapdog news media are going to echo his charge, which they do. That's what they're there for. Facebook's defense is that it is silencing as many people as it can find who question or criticize the vaccines. That's hardly a defense of free speech, folks. But instead, it shows big tech fundamentally agrees with Joe Biden and what he wants to do. They just differ on the success rate. Biden, his administration, they want it clamped down, totally gone. You disagree with us? We want Facebook to shut you up. And this first showed up with a Wednesday report that was published on Politico about White House plans to fight what it sees as misinformation on COVID vaccinations. That sounds kind of innocent. Potentially it's benign until you get to this part of the story. And here's a quote. Biden allied groups, including the Democrat National Committee, are also planning to engage fact checkers more aggressively and work with SMS or text carriers to dispel misinformation about vaccines that is sent over social media and through text messages. Whoa, Nellie. <laughs> the White House and the DNC are going to monitor and dispel misinformation on social media and in text. Think about that. And work with congeniality corrupt fact checkers? It can't be true. And so it gets worse. The Surgeon General's office. Saki said this on Friday. Within the Surgeon General's office, we're flagging posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect medical experts with people who are popular with their audiences, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. Let me just interpret what she's saying. We know there are people out there that a lot of people like and they want to hear from them. So we're propping them up. We're promoting them. And we're encouraging Facebook to take down all these other people that are saying ugly, mean things. So the government's not only flagging people it doesn't like, it's helping to boost trusted content. Saki said it's important to take faster action against harmful posts. As you all know, she said, information travels quite quickly on social media. Sometimes it's wrong, it's not accurate, and Facebook needs to move more quickly to remove harmful, violative posts. Her words, not accurate and harmful, violative posts, are so vague as to give the government an open-ended license to push Facebook, and who's next after them? Twitter, YouTube, Google, whoever to censor almost anything anybody in the White House doesn't like. 
It might start with disagreements over COVID. But folks, if they're successful there, why would it end? Suppose there's a story about, oh, let's take a wild stab, and say the foreign business interest of the president's son that also implicate the president. Might there be any pressure on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and others to block the story from being shared? (laughs) Does any of that sound familiar? The New York Post, a media outlet, very credible, a large outlet. They're the ones that broke the Hunter Biden laptop story And no social media platform would allow anybody to post on there about anything to do with Hunter Biden. Do you think they did that on their own? Or maybe they got the high sign from the White House? Or more simply, how about the fact that today's misinformation on COVID is tomorrow's approved information? What are you talking about? Recall that Government officials, including the unreliable weather vane, Dr. Fauci, switched directions so many times, it's hard to say with any certainty what his latest official line is that the Biden administration is going to adopt. And if that weren't bad enough, Saki dug a deeper hole Friday. She argued that people banned from one social media platform should also be banned from the others. Why? just because they were banned. Her proposal urges the companies to create a unified ban against American citizens. On top of Biden's inflammatory accusation, Saki's remarks, the government's actions make it clear we are far down the slippery slope toward whatever we're headed for. And it starts with a T, And it ends with an M. And in between it says totalitarianism. There's already one example of the impacts of this. I mentioned it. The post expose on Hunter Biden's laptop was blocked by big tech for two weeks. What two weeks were they blocked, by the way? Two weeks right before the election. Voting in the presidential election was underway. They censored it, kept it from being out in the marketplace of ideas until after the election. Later, a poll found that most voters weren't even aware of the Hunter Biden story and the possible implications of now President Biden. 8% said they would have voted differently had they known these facts. That, folks, was done for partisan purposes by private companies in cooperation with people in the government already that didn't want there to be a second Trump term and people coming into the government. The First Amendment protects the right to disagree with the government. But two developments are converging that make this moment really big. First, the big tech platforms, they're so big, they're really operating like they're monopolies, and they pretty much are. When they work together as one as they did in stopping this Hunter Biden's story from coming out, they have just about gotten absolute power. And they have that to shape events to look like whatever they want them to look like. They even shut Trump down when he was president. And the blackout of the former president still continues today. 
Second thing, some Dems and others on the left embrace that cancel culture habit of just quieting any dissent. What started on college campuses, it's now metastasized like cancer. It's become a national phenomenon, with even large companies insisting that some routine disagreements are intolerable and got to be banned. And now, we have the government endorsing these developments, trying to unite them. And the effort now, folks, is not just a suggestion as they say it is. Biden's demand to the social media platform carries an implicit threat of government compulsion. Now remember this, all Joe Biden would have to say is call his attorney general and say, look, we've let these social media monsters get too big for their britches. We've let them just have too much power and authority. They become a monopoly. We need to go after them. And the war would be on. It's happened in history before. AT&T was busted up. And it was one of the stupidest things that ever happened that the government did. It is said that today desperate times call for desperate measures. And we'll leave Washington for a moment. Let's go to New York. Governor Cuomo's effort to undermine the Attorney General's probe into him. We hadn't heard much about Cuomo of late. He's trying to fly below the radar screen, but he's trying to shut people up. Even as Cuomo sat down with investigators to defend himself over the weekend against rampant accusations of sexual harassment and retaliation against those who were coming out against him, his office claims that New York's Attorney General, Letitia James, is being motivated by what? Politics. (laughs) Can you believe anybody in an elected position would be motivated by politics? Strangely, this whole thing with, with Cuomo and the AG, it cites leaks as proof. Even though there have been few, if any, leaks from probers over four months. In fact, the office has been mum to the extreme, talking about the AG, refusing to outline possible next steps after the probe is completed. That all suggests that Cuomo knows he's in big doo-doo and sees discrediting Letitia James as his best shot. It's not much, but it might be his only hope. And this just goes on and on and on and on. And folks, it's not getting better, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. I promise you, we're in a bad place. How do we get out of this? I don't know. How did we get in it? I didn't have anything to do with getting in it. I don't think you did either. Got some more good stuff just ahead. On every continent, in every capital, in homes like yours, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. We're here asking people from all over what they think of lifting green tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mm-mm. How about China? Mm. Germany? Mm. How about people from the North Pole? Mm. Or Mars? What about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Mm. 
Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm. What about you, high school glee club here on a field trip? Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton Tea can do that. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Hey, some big news coming out just moments ago regarding COVID-19. A former Pfizer vice president dismisses asymptomatic transmission and coronavirus variants as lies. This is big, folks. A former VP of Pfizer called asymptomatic transmission or variants completely made-up concepts. His name is Michael Yadon. Y-E-A-D-O-N. He's been censored in mainstream media. Oh my gosh, why would anybody get censored for talking about anything negative about viruses, right? He's a former vice president of Pfizer and chief science officer. And he's certain that theories of asymptomatic transmission and variations is idiotic. It's a mixture of straw men and sheer invention, he said. There is also a terrific peer-reviewed journal article showing that domestic transmission in asymptomatic cases was effectively zero. He claims he can back his comments with several good quality papers. T-cells, he said, from a convalescent person or an immunized person each recognize all the then-available variants, again, as anticipated by fundamentals of immunology. The weak twaddle in their piece about antibodies is crazy. Multiple medical studies have proven that vaccinated individuals' T-cells can still activate in response to peptides from specific SARS-CoV-2 variants. The NIH, National Institute of Health, published a study that verified this back in March. Researchers found the magnitude of CD4 and CD8 T-cell responses to peptides from the alpha and gamma variants in vaccinated individuals were similar to ancestral variant peptides. They found that one key player in the immune response to SARS, the T-cell, remained active against the virus. He separately disapproved of different governments' decisions to administer the virus vaccine to pregnant women. No one in the right mind thinks giving experimental treatments to pregnant women is other than reckless, he said, especially when reproductive toxicity testing is incomplete. You know, can you hardly believe that somebody, a doctor, somebody that knows what they're talking about would come out and say anything negative and give the reason for saying it 
because there hasn't been exhaustive testing. Folks, all of this to do with COVID-19 and the vaccines, there hasn't been sufficient investigation. There simply hasn't been. Yet people's lives are being put in danger, and now they're talking about a third booster shot necessary after a period of time when they told us from the very beginning we get these vaccines, the two-shot Pfizer or the single-shot Moderna, you're going to be okay. And the target keeps moving. The instructions keep moving. And the adverse reactions keep happening. And people that have been given the shot in the hundreds and probably the thousands are reinfecting. There's just too much going on. Meanwhile, you know, we told you early in the show today, vaccine mandate, it looked like it might be coming. This morning, a federal judge denied a request to block Indiana University's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. It's been out there, the mandate for the upcoming school year this fall. A group of students sued the school claiming the inoculation requirement is unconstitutional. The judge's name is Damon Lichty. He's from the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Indiana. He said in an opinion that was written on Friday, released this morning, that the plaintiffs, these eight IU students who sued the university, failed to establish a likelihood of success on the merits of their 14th Amendment due process claim or that the balance of harms or the public's interest favors the extraordinary remedy of a preliminary injunction. So he's not talking about the content of the claim. He's talking about the likelihood that at the next level, an appeals court, that it would be successful. So they didn't convince him, basically. The 14th Amendment says no state may deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without the due process of law. And that prevents universities from mandating vaccines for students unless they can show they have rationally pursued a legitimate interest in public health for their campuses. The judge wrote that while Indiana's vaccine policy has real implications, such as potentially depriving students who refuse to get the vaccine or have not qualified for an exemption from going to the university, he argued that students still have real options in the face of the policy that include applying for one of those medical or religious exemptions, applying for a medical deferral, attending a different college, or taking classes online. Recognizing the significant liberty interest the students retain to refuse unwanted medical treatment, he said, the 14th Amendment permits Indiana to pursue a reasonable and due process of vaccination in the legitimate interest of public health for its students, faculty, and staff. What about this? What about this? What about they don't know what's in it? They don't know what's in it. We don't know what's in it. It's not licensed. It's not approved by the FDA. It's only being used through an emergency access, an emergency order issued by the FDA to be used only under the care of a doctor and in specific emergency circumstances. To me, that should be enough. But apparently, according to this district judge, it's not. So you heard we reported about it last week late. Los Angeles, 
the county of Los Angeles has gone back to a mandatory mask order for indoors at public places. Los Angeles County health officials announced they're reintroducing that mandatory indoor fast make order, citing a sudden increase in the number of people getting COVID-19, despite the large proportion of folks who have been vaccinated. The county sheriff, Alex Villanueva, confirmed he's not going to allow the mandate to be enforced. This is significant. As of Saturday, Los Angeles County re-implemented that regulation requiring everybody to wear a mask while indoors regardless of their vaccination status. After big-time restrictions were put on a few months ago, and you know how that locked down Los Angeles County and all of California for that matter, masks were only recommended for use indoors but not mandated as a legal requirement until last week. In other words, now California's even shut down their state in a much more egregious fashion. The new mandate requires residents to again wear the mask when they go to public establishment, like retail stores, supermarkets, bars, clubs, restaurants, and workplaces. We're not where we need to be for the millions at risk of infection here in Los Angeles County. And waiting to do something will be too late given what we're seeing. That's Los Angeles County Health Officer Dr. Muntu Davis in a briefing with reporters. For right now, no measures were announced that would force business owners to close their doors as happened in the past, but their customers will not be able to enter without wearing a face mask. What that means, folks, it's not arbitrary. The business establishments, um, they can't make that determination. It's already been made for them. It's already been made for them. Something just slipped out this morning. It seems that the White House has already been monitoring text messages. Did you hear that? The White House has already been monitoring text messages. We know we found out during the Mueller report all that investigation and the claims that were made by the Trump administration that the Obama administration was monitoring their electronic communications. Everybody laughed about it. Oh, there was no way it was happening. Remember, um, a former federal official at the NSA went to Trump Tower in New York during the campaign, at the very beginning of the Trump campaign, and notified the Trump organization that they were being electronically monitored there in Trump Tower All of their communications, telephone and otherwise, were being monitored. And the very next day, the Trump administration, well, the Trump campaign, it was before the election, they moved their headquarters across the river into New Jersey where they operated until the election was over. Admiral Mike Rogers, head of the NSA at that time, notified the Trump organization that was happening. And so we know it's been been there. It's, it's been able, it can be done. News slipped out this morning. I don't have any details, but the Trump, uh, excuse me, the Biden administration is already monitoring our text messages in the context that they are also looking and recommending 
to Facebook that they censor the social media posts that the White House determines are not worthy of being posted. They're negative misinformation about COVID-19 and Facebook allowing these to be posted is endangering people's lives. Therefore, they got to be pulled down. But thank God there's somebody that has stepped up, a legal group. They are in in court. They are seeking information on how far the Biden administration's coordination has gone with big tech. America First Legal, run by former Trump administration officials, they filed the Flurry of Freedom of Information Act request on Thursday of last week. They're looking for details on this government's communications relating to the current administration's effort to push big tech to censor our speech. Jen Psaki, she told reporters, the administration is in regular touch with social media platform and that officials are flagging problematic posts for Facebook that spread disinformation. And this one was kind of odd. She claimed this, and I didn't understand it. She said a dozen people produce 65% of any vaccine misinformation on social media. And she suggested these people should be banned. She didn't identify any of them. But based on the numbers of posts that contain disinformation they claim are out there, it was millions. She said about a dozen people produce 65% of all that. This is a quote from Shockey from the White House press room announced that the federal government is coordinating with social media platforms to silence Americans' voices. Matt Whitaker, a former acting U.S. Attorney General and an America First legal board member, said that it sounds like they're running some sort of a shadow information quality department at the White House where they're telling social media about problematic posts and then the social media folks take them down. That's clearly a violation of Americans' First Amendment rights. It's inconsistent with our long history. The government has no ability to suppress speech. That's exactly what it's doing right here. The demand for documents by America First was sent to the Department of Health and Human Services, the CDC, the FDA, the National Institutes of Health. It seeks records about any efforts to flag COVID-19-related misinformation or disinformation to any social media company, including Facebook and Reddit, and all communications with the social media companies about their efforts. Whitaker said that he's been in the Department of Justice for a long time. You know that. He said since he has been, he didn't, he didn't see this type of coordination that he believes Americans are witnessing now. He thinks the document requests are going to show whether Facebook and others are already acting on the flag post or whether they're acting with some sort of discretion. On our story that was posted this morning, now we post all of our original stories. We post them on our website that we control. It's not a social media site. It's WordPress, but it is our site, truthnewsnet.org. We post those every day. They're not affiliated, nor do they go through, but what we do automatically when one of our stories goes live, a tease to it is posted on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. 
and therefore Twitter followers or Facebook followers that are friends or they get our posts, they see that. And just a tidbit of the story is posted there, but they can click on it and takes it to the story on our website. A lot of people are seeing such posts being ripped apart, not not uh, in some cases they're being allowed up partially. Some cases they're allowed up, but there's a disclaimer, and some are just being stopped altogether. I can see, I can see it coming down the pike for us. Um, I can see a situation where that begins to happen to us. But just in case it does, know this. You can always get our story content at truthnewsnet.org. You don't have to go to Facebook. A lot of people, a lot of our friends on Facebook, that's where they get our story. They see us post that, and then they put it up, and uh, they click on it, and it goes to our website. I'm looking right now. Hang on just a second. I'm looking right now to see if uh, if anything's happened to our Facebook page. I'm waiting. Uh, this is not looking good. Hang on just a second. Let me look again. Okay, here is our Facebook page. Now let me go to the morning stories to see if anything's up there. It is still up there. I got a little concerned there for a second. I wanted to make sure. Um, No, we're still good. And that's all that matters. Something, Something new's coming in. I need to check this. Let's take our let's take our final break of the show, and uh, I mean it's Monday morning. You know things happen over the weekend. A lot of thing, uh, a lot of stuff happens that we don't get to till Monday morning. Doesn't come out till early Monday morning. Bear with me for just a second. Back after this. Summer seems even brighter when you've been inside a while. It's time to drive again with Honda, KBB.com's 2020 Best Value Brand. You could get a great deal on the 2020 Passport or 2020 Pilot, with financing as low as 0.9% APR on select models. Visit the Honda Summer Clearance event today. For well-qualified buyers, see dealer for financing details based on 2020 brand image from Kelly Blue Book. Visit KBB.com for more information. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price participation may vary. Disruptive may be just another overused buzzword, but disruptions in business like network downtime, data loss, social media abuse, and limited bandwidth are downright disruptive. For businesses large or small, Barracuda Networks offers powerful, affordable, yet easy-to-implement content security, application delivery, and data protection solutions, all designed to prevent disruptions and simplify IT. For an online demo or to try any of our security or storage solutions risk-free for 30 days, visit barracuda.com disruptive. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at-home session with Jesse McCartney. Presented by Hellman's. An exclusive and intimate performance. You're beautiful. 
At a time when we're craving live music. Watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube. Missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer? Hellman's is bringing crave-worthy flavors to you. Serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything. With flavors like cilantro lime, roasted garlic, and creamy chili honey, you can drizzle, dip, and dress to make home the best restaurant around. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. This latest bit of news coming out of the Washington Post. One of their political investigators has reported that Democrats don't want to go hard on Cuba because they're being influenced by the more progressive members of their party who agree with many of the struggling country's socialist policies. Now, this is coming from the Washington Post. You and I both know the Washington Post very seldom ever reports anything that could even be remotely considered to be anti-progressive. In recent days, Cuban protesters have showed anger over their rising prices in their country, shortages of goods, poor health care, no internet, no broadcast, no no banking. It's really, really difficult. It's getting worse down there. They're really being led by the progressive wing of the Democrat Party, and the progressive wing does not want to go hard against the Cuban government, against some of the very things that the Castro regime may have been a part of. He argued this on CNN's Inside Politics. In part because there are some Democrats, there are some progressives who agree with some of these things he said. They agree with universal health care. They agree with some of the programs that were in place in a more socialist kind of society. Well, the least among them is not the darling Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez While blasting the communist regime's crackdown on media, speech, and protest as gross violations of civil rights, she also blamed part of the unrest on the United States, on our 60-year-old embargo, which she called absolutely cruel, as well as additional Trump-era restrictions. So, we've got a problem with the far left now. They're being called out. And they're being called out because of their progressive ideas and they've been pushing socialism, pushing Cuba-style socialism. And now it looks like they were wrong. And they're being being exposed for being wrong. Hey, thank you for being here today. It's going to be a busy week. You stay close. Don't get desperate. Don't get despondent. The best is yet to come. We're going to get on the other side of this. Have a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow morning right here again. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and something without warning, love, bears heavy on my mind, then I look at you, and the world's all right with me. Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be A lovely day
impossible to face When someone else instead of me Always seems to know the way Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be Yeah. 